This is Mark Shanowski. It's now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 18th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight on September 21st, 2018, welcoming listeners to the 18th episode of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm here tonight with my guest co-host who's on the show for the first time, Joey Dwyer. Welcome to the show. You're a big, you're a big follower of the show, and uh, it's, we finally got you on. I know you're always checking your schedule, and uh, just a pleasure to have you on, buddy. Hey, it is a pleasure to be on, Will. I'm a big, uh, long, what they say, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm ecstatic to be on the show tonight. And we also have a belated happy birthday to you as well, if I correct, right? Thank you so much. It was on the 17th. Uh, just a quick shout-out to my dad. Happy birthday. Today is his birthday. so Happy birthday to Mr. Dwyer. Absolutely. So pretty close birthdays there, but uh, we went to the Bears game, and I'm excited to talk about it. Well, we are going to talk about that <laughs> and much more. We have a great show coming up for the listeners tonight. The Illinois State Volleyball team opened their 2018 season Missouri Valley Conference play on the road earlier against the Missouri State Bears in St. Louis and won with a sweep. How can the Redbirds continue that solid play moving forward throughout the rest of the season? The Illinois State football team, after a bye week, is on the road tomorrow at Colorado State. How can the Redbirds keep their undefeated 2-0 record? The Chicago Bears got new head coach Matt Nagy his first win with the Chicago Bears against the Seattle Seahawks last Monday night. How can the Monsters of the Midway continue that this Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals? The Chicago White Sox won against Jose Quintana in his return to the south side with, as they beat the Chicago Cubs 10-4. How can their season finish with the Crosstown Classic continuing this weekend against the rival Chicago Cubs? The White Sox have seen interesting situations in year two of the rebuild. How can they recover from the injuries and continue success into the offseason? The Chicago Cubs on the north side of town are close to finishing the regular season in first place in a tight NL Central race. How can they sustain that heading into the postseason? The NL Central features tight competition between the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals. How can the north siders fare with this moving forward? The show will continue to monitor the offseason of the Chicago Bulls as well as it unfolds. The show will close with the original fun segment of Will's Sports Movie Moment. Joey, we are going to start with something, even before the show began tonight, you were talking a great deal about it. I know it's one of my favorite teams on this campus, the Illinois State Volleyball Team. So, the Redbirds, non-conference play in the second year under Coach Leah Johnson, who I think she was just a great addition to this team right off the bat, and they're 8-4 and four coming into conference play. They sweep Missouri State and Joey out. The listeners might not know this, but I was uh, I, you and I both work at WZND together. Uh, love calling sports there. And uh, Mike Mara, a former uh, team member of ours, uh, we miss him very much down there. Absolutely. Um, he and I got to call that volleyball game when they were here at ISU. It was a nice Friday night, and I remember it because it's Coach Leah Johnson's former coach she played under over at Missouri State, and. I got to do a studio host my junior year as a transfer in that same matchup. So the Redbirds lost in five sets, 15 to 11 score, right? Same result that last game last year. A little spooky, but it was pretty cool. And the Redbirds getting to beat that team this year. That was such a tight five-set game. And this Redbird team is not as different, you know, aside from Jalen Keene, who we wish her nothing but the best moving forward, of course. She was great, but... The way this team is, and something we talked about on the show that I'm going to ask you about, there's a lot of new bright spots. You know, uh, sophomore transfer Kaylee Martin's just continuing to do her thing. Marissa Stockman's another key name. Uh, Nicholson, Carla Nicholson, and the way these players are actually together, it's just incredible. You could tell it's such good team chemistry, but what are your thoughts on the Revers after non-conference play and the sweep against Missouri State? All right, well, as far as non-conference play goes, uh, they, were, they had some impressive victories. Uh, you saw they went down, they defeated Auburn down south, which was a huge win for Leah Johnson. big tournament squad. games they had, even Georgia. Yeah, that was so that was big when they went down there. And then they capped it off with a kind of rocky. They lost to uh, was number six, Wisconsin, number 21, Marquette. So those were, those were a couple games where it's like, okay, this team's being tested. How are they going to bounce back from those tougher losses? And I think... They've done a great job. As you were talking about, they swept Missouri State to, uh, earlier today. Um, some standout performances from that. 
uh, Lexi Varga, 11 kills. Uh, Steph Jankowicz just continues her incredible play from last year, 36 assists. And so I have no issues with this team moving forward. And Missouri State is not a bad team. So no. moving forward, I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. And Coach Johnson is terrific both on and off the court with these players. And I'm just so excited to see them succeed this year. Yeah, and just getting to just to touch on it a little bit, I was able to do that interview on the last episode with Lexi Varga. That was just incredible. You know, something to capture for the listeners, just anyone that hasn't followed Illinois State Volleyball got a little bit more of a picture, not just of what the team is like this year and what to expect, but got to see it through the eyes of a senior who's been here for four years. And I'm excited for this team to come back home, you know, for conference play. There's a lot of exciting matchups coming up, and I'm just excited to see what this team could do up close. I know we're all not able to go to those road games. I wish I could, but, you know, just to cheer on the birds and the stands and everything. But I was able to actually stream a good week or two ago. They had a nice stream when they were in Washington. And even before that, I ran to the team at the – and I told this story on here before, but you might not have heard it. You know, getting some stuff at CVS, you know, basic college town area. You're going to get stuff you need for your apartment or whatever. And I run to Kaylee Martin, Marissa Stockman, and Brianna Kipp. Brianna Kipp, who, in fact, is getting some really good playing time this year and just taking really good advantage of that. Oh, yeah. She's playing incredibly. But just kind of back to the story real quick. So – I ran into them, you know, and you always congratulate the players on how well they're doing and just how great they're doing as a team. And I just heard something very, I wouldn't say surprising, but they talked about that match against the Georgia Bulldogs. That was the final match of the three when they were in that tournament in Georgia. And they said out of all the teams Georgia played, the Bulldogs said that the Redbirds put up the best competition against them, even though they lost in three sets that was or four sets I believe it was four sets but um I just was so impressed you know the way this team carries it with the players and just how they are and Joey under head coach Johnson you know now the nine and four start after that win to start conference play what components that are part of the team uh do you feel can continue moving forward through the rest of conference play well one thing I noticed last year uh in contrast to this year's last year, they would concede some sloppier plays. Uh, I I did a couple of the games uh, for ZND last year, and one thing that I noticed was there would be some missed opportunities, just some things that wouldn't quite go right for them because they weren't executing the game plan well. And I think Coach Johnson has really shifted her team to a more disciplined that style of play. That consistency you're talking about. It's right? absolutely the consistency because they're they're going to play some good opponents in the Missouri Valley Conference this year. So for them to be successful, they have to continue pounding it out and playing very disciplined volleyball. And I think that's what they're doing. And some of their key players are really stepping up. And like you were talking about, they've got some younger players who are also getting some good playing time and really learning the ropes from these older players. And there's one we haven't talked about much. Uh, I know we mentioned her name on the show a few times. One of the young women on this team that I think is going to, you know, when these seniors graduate and there's players that are going to obviously step up, it's freshman Taylor Lynch. That she She's a type of player that just has really good size. We are hopefully going to see her uh, get some more playing time throughout the year. You know, Coach Coach Johnson does a really good job, in my opinion. I've always believed in sports. Uh, the way you equally give players uh, equal playing time is a, a really great team. Coach Johnson and a lot of the Redbird coaches at Illinois State do just that, and this is a fan that makes it more exciting. And, Joey, what are your closing thoughts uh, as we're closing out this part of the show uh, with the volleyball team, and what are your uh, predictions maybe for the rest of their season? Well, just closing thoughts is I think they're on a very good they're on a very good path, and if they stay going on that path, I think they're going to be incredible moving forward. But predictions moving down the line, um, I'm saying they got a pretty good season ahead of them as far as wins go. Like we looking at if we look at the Missouri Valley, uh, we've got some teams who are pretty good, but we've also got some teams who are not very good. So I think they could potentially be a top three team in the MVC. If they play the way we know they can. Yeah, the, the Redbirds just, I have nothing but good things to say about this team, Joey. It's such a pleasure as a student, we were just talking about, to watch them play the game of volleyball. And just one of the standout players who we talked about just now, Lexi Varga, Marissa Stockman, Steph Jankowitz, you mentioned. Talk about a young woman setter that can just assist after assist. 
the volleyball to her teammates. That's She's going to have record numbers by her senior year, in my opinion. And she's only a sophomore, which I've learned this watching the game of volleyball in collegiate action. I've kind of tried to read on some terms, you know, learn the craft a little more. Just as a fan, so I can even understand it loads better when I'm watching. The setter, in my opinion, and what I've read, is probably the most important position in the game of volleyball. Kind of like the quarterback of a football team or the center, you know, that snaps the ball or gets the ball to the other players. Absolutely. it's The setter is uh, an essential part of the offense and the defense, really. So having Steph Jankowicz, who is so good at what she does, it just makes her entire team better. It makes everybody on that court better because she's playing at top capacity. And the Redbirds will continue to do that. As we mentioned, they won their first game in conference play against the Missouri State Bears. The Redbirds now sit at a record of 9-4 and four on the season. And we will continue to cover the team as it moves forward. Just taking a look at the schedule here, the Redbirds will have their next matchup in conference play in the Missouri Valley Conference next Saturday. That is a 7 p.m. first serve in Carbondale, Illinois against the Southern Illinois Salukis. Following that on September 28th and 29th, the Redbirds will be coming home to Bloomington Normal for their home opener action of conference play against Evansville and Indiana State, and we'll continue to cover that as it moves forward. Now heading into Illinois State football, Joey, the Redbirds won against the Eastern Illinois University Panthers on September 8th, 48-10. to Spackin' Redbirds are now heading on the road after a bye week this past week to face the Colorado State Rams Saturday afternoon. So, Joey, you and I have been following, we're, you and I were on coverage for that home opener together. That was a great time. Um, was looking forward to getting that call with you, buddy. But uh, the second one, I I remember calling Eastern Illinois on the road last year as a color commentator with Tom Prizman, another good uh, vocal presence in sports broadcast, in my opinion. We won that one, but I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I'm sure you can agree. Brady Davis has just done a kick-butt job, you know, stepping in as quarterback. He only had one game under his belt coming to ISU, but he's made it his own position here. You know, the... The team's backing him up. They still back up Jake Colby, who I think is still a pretty respectable player, you know, given the situations he's been in uh, in games. But what are your opening thoughts on a 2-0 record? I'm sure we're both, and with the Redbird faithful, enjoying right now that uh, no no loss in the column there yet. How can the Redbirds just continue this? Like, what are your thoughts after that Eastern game where this team is moving into their next matchup? Well, obviously, if we, if we look at the Eastern game and then the game they uh, played the day before, that's a 46 nothing victory and a 48-10 victory. So what stands out to you? The impressive offensive numbers. Not a 52 like Freddie's prediction. <laughs> I'm sure you remember. I do, but it was pretty close. So what they obviously have this incredible offense. You've got Brady Davis, who's throwing the lights out of the ball. Spencer Schnell is tearing it up as a receiver. Um, and then you've got, obviously, Markel Smith and James Robinson. We almost have our own Saquon Barkley there, Joe. We really do. And they are, I think they're the backbone of this offense. And so what jumps, I out, agree, yeah. what jumps out to me early in the season is just the great balance their offense has between the run and the play. Yeah, I know. What What is the one player I remember Anthony and I kind of foreshadowed it or mentioned it a bit on the uh, last episode when he was here a few weeks ago? What was the player, I remember in the booth how excited you were for how he played that night. Why don't you talk a little bit about that uh, Redbird sophomore? So we got, there are a bunch of guys who, who come to mind. But one guy that I thought was particularly exciting to watch was Jordan Birch, who was the third string running back coming in. And he got, because the, the ISU team was just destroying putting on a clinic pretty they, much yeah they were really just demolishing saint xavier so so birch was able to get some snaps and he really showed everybody what he was made of because he's coming out there and he's already he's third string behind like the best i would say the best two running backs in our conference and he comes out and he puts up yardage and he makes plays that look good so He's, some, he's someone that I'm going to watch moving forward, um, but obviously he's not going to get uh, as many snaps in tougher games when they have when they have to battle down the field, and that's when you're going to see your Markel Smiths or your James Robinsons in there. But look for him maybe in the coming years as those guys 
age out of their spots for him to really step up and be a great back. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, Joe. You kind of took some of the words out of my mouth on that one. Gotta love that Nick co-host tonight. Very good work. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they do against Colorado State. Um, you know, when a team goes on the road, uh, just in my opinion, it's I'm sure a lot of professionals that are more experienced in following the game of football, coaching the game of football, uh, just how a team can take the way they play at home and bring that on the road. Because on the road, you're going to really get nervous and just, you know, it's a little more tense. You're away from campus, uh, used to your home fans and everything, especially after two home games to start the year. But what are your thoughts on, and you, you, you already touched on it there, strong defensive play, good consistent offense. Do you have one player on uh, one of those sides of the football that is just kind of your, we're going to quote the great Hawk Harrelson in honor of his last call this weekend, pick the click for uh, the football team this year? I really like, so we I've, I've been talking about the offense, so let me transition to defense a little bit. Their front seven has been phenomenal. And I think that, out, that starts with Matt Swain. He is just a huge presence on that defensive line. And then you've got other guys, specifically Jason Lewan, the redshirt freshman. He stepped up. We saw him make some big plays against St. Xavier. I went I went to the game. I was sitting in the student section for Eastern Illinois. Oh, I, saw the club. Oh, yeah. I saw you there. But yeah. he, uh, Luan really stepped up in that game. And he, Eastern Illinois, did not know what hit him. So that front seven has just been playing so well this season. And that's what, why I think they've been able to not not only score so many points, but hold their opponents to so few. Yeah, and that's important with any defense. Just to kind of compare it, you know, we like to compare almost anything on this show to something we're seeing out there, uh, you know, especially in the game of football. The Bears defense, I'm going to compare it to that front seven right now with Vic Fangio, I think. Uh, Brock Speck, we, we knew that when he came to Illinois State years ago that he had that defensive background, being a defensive coordinator uh, for the Boilermakers over at the University of Purdue, but... I think my pick to click, Joe, and he's had some really big plays in the first two games. I think, you know, he's filling that Christian Gibbs role, not uh, Spencer Schnell as the lead receiver. Braxton Haley is mm-hmm. a wide receiver. If you think the offense, just a player to watch, the guys getting Emmanuel Sanders style catches kind of in the route there. If you kind of compare it to what's going on with Keenum and, you know, Emmanuel Sanders with the Broncos right now, the way uh, Brady Davis is, he's got really good time in the pocket. That The Illinois State O line's always. As always, in my opinion, been very good at consistently protecting the quarterback and the football when the team's on offense. So I'm, I'm looking for Braxton Haley to have a good year. It's going to be the Haley Robinson Davis uh, show for the Redbirds uh, that moving forward. So I'm I'm sure you can agree it's a lot to be excited about with Illinois State. One of the other exciting things, I'm just going to piggyback off of Braxton Haley for a second, is watching him play. He's one of the best route runners I've seen on this Illinois State football team. He just is a, not only is he a, just a tremendously athletic human being, he's also very smart. His football IQ is very high, and that allows him to get into these pockets where Brady Davis can find him and get those yardage get that yardage that they need. And he's just a great, either he can play either the check down and he can go five yards, be there when Brady Davis needs somebody to go to, or he can get downfield. He's a great utility wide receiver. What about your defensive uh, question we had for you on that uh, broadcast there, Joe? Remember Dalton? Do you still remember Dalton King? Yeah, I remember. Former Redbird? Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember you made me look like a fool because I didn't no, know. I would, <laughs> no, I would never uh, do that. Yeah, I know, I know. It was, I just, I should have known it. That I was fun for the listeners, though. That was, I'm sure it was very fun for the listeners to hear me. No, it was uh, uh, just fun to have that Redbird history, oh yeah. I think. Oh, but, yeah. And the Redbirds will hopefully continue history in their favor as we face Colorado State in Fort Collins, Colorado, tomorrow at 2 p.m. kickoff. The next matchup will be on the road as well. It's at Missouri State in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. On September 29th, a 2 p.m. kickoff as well. Now going into the professional segment. It's the part Joey has been looking forward to since tonight's pre-recording. It is the Chicago Bears. The Bears won their first regular season victory in 2018 and under new head coach Matt Nagy at Soldier Field, winning against the Seattle Seahawks. Their upcoming matchup is Sunday afternoon against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Joey... You were at the game. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you liked. And ju- just give me some insight on what it was like to see Matt Nagy's Coach Bears up close at home for the first time. So uh, s- some of the things I noticed. 
um, is this is this is a Lovey Smith type Bears team. This defense is lights out. Khalil Mack on one side as the edge rusher, Leonard Floyd on the other. Then you've got Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks and Jonathan Bullard all in the middle. You've got Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. That core of guys in the front is incredible. Then you got Prince of Kumara, Kyle Fuller, and then my two favorite players on this defense, Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. I'm a big guy of Amos as well. They're, a great player. They are terrific. And so this defense is really one of the best in the NFL right now, I believe. But it's all about finding... The, the, uh, the offense needs to find its identity because what I noticed from being at the game is the offense would stall out and the, and the defense would start to get tired because in the beginning of the game, Mitch would drive down, they'd get these, they'd get these nice yardage, run down some clock, but getting into the third quarter, and this is what happened against the Packers too uh, in that week one loss, is the offense couldn't stay on the field, and the defense got tired. That's what happened when Kyle Fuller got beat on that route by Geronimo Allison. Mm. Is he just couldn't keep up because the offense wasn't letting him get any rest. So this offense really needs to figure out how they're going to keep the ball in order because I mean I know you were watching the game on TV. Yeah, they almost the Seahawks were almost going to stage a comeback there. Thank God Prince Mugamara had that pick six. But they got to mobilize Mitch Trubisky. I, I know a few experts were saying that. Did you kind of notice that as well? Yeah, and I just think I think it's about this offense finding its identity. There's still a lot of things. They don't know whether they want to be a run prim primary offense or a pass primary well, offense. Hopefully they give Jordan Howard the ball a little yeah, Oh, my God, opinion. yeah. I just, want, I just hope that the Bears can find a way to have offensive consistency that allows their defense to play better because of it. Because this defense could be a top defense in the NFL. I believe. Give it a couple years. They've got some I young agree. guys. I think they are on their way to something very special. And it was a special finish, as you mentioned, with the Prince of Mukamara pick and touchdown. That was his first career pick six as well. Very exciting for Mukamara and Bears fans. Just a shout out to Mukamara for that one. We appreciate that pick six he had there. We appreciate it very much. A 24-17 victory. So if you're Matt Nagy, you're really comfortable not just – with where that victory was at home, you know, and after a close, we're not going to even talk about it because that's kind of a very two-sided thing we could talk about that Bears-Packers finish the way it went and everything, you know, just from the Bears fan standpoint here. But Matt Nagy has a lot to be excited about, you know, being in Chicago. The fans saw what he was able to do at home. A lot of the fans were able to finally see that up close. And I think it's just going to continue, in my opinion, just to kind of start the talk coming into this next game here. You know, after that win Monday night, Joey, what can it tell us? I mean, it's still an early season, but what can it tell us to this point, in your opinion, what we can continue to expect from the Matt Nagy or Swaggy Nagy, as they call him, uh, Chicago Bears style of play? I think it's, obviously, it's very defense-oriented. This defense is incredible. There's an offensive inconsistency that I'm hoping gets remedied. Otherwise, we could be in a little bit of trouble. They haven't decided whether or not they want to be like a tricky offense or like a long ball offense. And it all revolves around what Mitch is feeling comfortable doing. And so Matt Nagy's going to have to work, and I don't want to say work around Mitch Trubisky, but work with Mitch Trubisky. Exactly. To figure out what this offense is capable of. Yeah, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a Belichick type thing he's got to fix. Matt Nagy's his own coach. I think he's, the man's got a great personality. Uh, what was it? They do some videos with the Bears that I really like before the game when you watch it. Not the Rob Riggin ones, those are the best, but uh, they do uh, Coffee with the Coach. They started doing that this year. Uh, you know, you can catch it on the Bears social media or the uh, YouTube page they have. And you just see the energy Matt Nagy has, not just about the players and the way they're going about it so far with the new coaches. Of course, it's a good thing they kept Vic Fangio, in my opinion. Like you mentioned, that defense is incredible. This Bears team is on their way right now. I think if you look at a team like Green Bay, you know, a very well-respected set of veterans with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the Lions, the Vikings, uh, I think it's going to be the Bears division to take. I still think even with those teams there and, you know, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, I still think the way this season's starting right now, this is anybody's division for the taking. You know, any team could take it. And this is the Bears' chance to do that with their new head coach. So going in – to this Arizona Cardinals matchup, Joe, just kind of to spice up this uh, question a little bit here. You know, a David Johnson-style offense that's just looking 
to improve. Uh, the defense is still there a little bit, but they've had a lot of changes. They're not the same defense they were the last two, three years ago. So what do you see the Bears doing on Sunday afternoon? Well, I'll start with the Bears offensively. The Arizona Cardinals defense, I'm going to put it as bluntly as I can, is bad. They're not good. They're 30th, I think, 30th <laughs> in the league right now. And Patrick Peterson, at least, though, they still have. They still have Patrick Peterson, but one guy can't make all defense. So I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for Mitchell Trubisky to really find his own and really establish a relationship with these new wide receivers, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller. And on the Bears defensively, the Bears have not been letting anybody run on them because, I, as I was talking about earlier, that front seven. And so this will be a good test for them to see if they can contain a five-star running back like David Johnson. But as far as the Arizona Cardinals' pass, passing game goes, it's really non-existent. They only have – really, they only have Larry Fitzgerald. And, I mean, all respect to the great Larry Fitzgerald, but – he doesn't have a quarterback who can throw to him. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so, if you're talking about Sam Bradford, Josh Allen, or yeah, uh, Mike Glennon, good lord, <laughs> oh, oh, Mike Glennon. <laughs> but so honestly, I think I think the the defense should really be able to, to put it plainly. This should be a cakewalk for the defense. And I think people are. I do think though, people are missing the storyline of Mike Glennon versus his former team. Oh, that's uh, that, as a Bears fan, that's a really interesting one. If we remember, <laughs> uh, if listeners don't remember the Bears form when he was with the Bears, Chicago formally signed him before drafting Mitch Trubisky to a three-year, forty-five million dollar deal, uh, courtesy of the Ryan Pace uh, smartly guaranteed money position. Yeah, that was just not not a good move by the Bears to get Glennon. Uh, but, you know, we're turning it around for sure. And the Bears are going to look to turn that around, Mr. Dwyer, as they face the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday, a 3.25 p.m. kickoff. Now heading into the baseball part of the show, it is the Chicago Cubs we are going to start with here, Joe. we got to be favorable to the listeners. The Cubs lost a tough crosstown classic. Joe, we're going to start with the Cubs. The Cubs lost a... Tough crosstown matchup over on the south side of Chicago. And it was an interesting one for Sox fans, though, as it was pitcher Jose Quintana, who, if people will probably remember this, but I'm going to mention it anyways, just so some new listeners that maybe aren't too used to the Cubs, those Sox fans might want to remember this. The White Sox made that trade that sent Quintana to the Chicago Cubs for Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, and two other prospects. And it was Jose Quintana's return to the south side today and didn't go the Cubs way though as they now go to a record of 89 and 64 the Sox now at a record of 61 and 92 after this afternoon's matchup over a guaranteed right field that was a 310 first pitch on the south side of Chicago as the Cubs fell to the white rival White Sox 10 to 4 the Cubs ended the game with four runs nine hits and no errors and the Sox had 10 runs, 19 hits, and one air. Quintana now with a record of 13-11 on the year. Joey, coming into it, Quintana didn't kind of have the year Cubs fans were hoping for last season. You know, he had that kind of in the part of the season this year where they needed the rise of guys like David Bodie, Daniel Murphy coming over in that waiver deadline trade. You know, Brian's finally back for them. But this has been an interesting season for Cub fans. And, we're of course, later in the show, we're going to talk about that with the Sox, this similar thing, injuries. Injuries, injuries, injuries are not anything a team likes to see. And this is something that a lot of people, you know, in Chicago sports have talked about lately for a long time since that 2016 Cubs uh, World Series. They didn't have a lot of injuries, you know, in 2015, 2016. It started a bit last year, but this is probably where it finally caught up to them with, you know, the injuries this year. And it's, it's never good to see that. You know, they give you Darvish that contract and that happens to him. You know, he shut down for the year. Brandon Morrow, they just reported this afternoon, is going to be shut down as well, along with Pedro Strope. So a lot of credit has to go to Theo Epstein and Joe Madden, the way you know their staffs have just put together not just a really great team, but they're able to bring up those players that will just fit just right. This is a team, in my opinion, that just continues to pride themselves on strong team chemistry and just that character, which I think is great in the game of baseball. You want to make a team just like that, the way the Cubs have to this point. What are your thoughts on, you know, what the Cubs faced this afternoon? And they weren't able to stop Palkamania on the south side. So kind of give me a thought about the Cubs 
uh, to this point and uh, what you thought of Q's return to Chicago. Well, I'm going to preface this by saying we're sitting in a room right now with two White Sox fans. So, <laughs> um, we still have to be fair on this. We do this have show to be fair. is we unbiased fair. and fair, Jay. Unbiased, unbiased. And I respect what the Cubs have done over the past three years. And it does, as you mentioned, it sucks that they're getting plagued by injuries. But if we look at it, this is really the best time for them to get plagued by injuries. Is they're coming into the playoffs. They're basically, they're not officially in, but they're basically, they're basically a lock. And oh, yeah. So, Very close. So for the Cubs to be able to get healthy by the end of the year, they have all their healthy guys back for the postseason, and that's really all that they need. And uh, speaking on Quintana's return to the south side, um, you know, uh, not going to say I wasn't glad to see him lose to the Sox, but I We th- miss him in the black and white, though. I think, but I think as far as that trade goes, I think we are, we won that trade long term. St- Depending on how you know Cease and Jimenez turn out, but what what everybody's saying is it's going to be a very good turnout for them. So I think it was just interesting for Sox fans to see how right now, even though like you can't see the it, there's no instant gratification in trading for prospects, you still have you still have this like okay, even though we got rid of this good pitcher for some prospects, we can still beat him, and I think that's a good feeling for Sox fans. Yeah, and just. We're going to look at it right here, Joey. This goes into my next question. But just taking a look at the NL Central standings, this has been one that fans have been following throughout this baseball season. You know, they've always said, you know, this division, the NL West, you know, the AL East is always the fabled high uh, hardest division uh, of competition in baseball for years. You know, the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and the Orioles, and Blue Jays. But the NL Central has been the one I've been watching along with our AL Central over there on the south side of Chicago. But just looking at the standings right now, the Cubs are leading, as we mentioned, first place, 89-64 now after that 10-4 loss this afternoon to the Sox. The Milwaukee Brewers, who in my opinion, I'm just going to say it real quick, they're my team to watch in the NL Central and just in the National League. I mean, I like what the Braves are doing with Ronald Acuna Jr., but the Milwaukee Brewers, just a shout-out to hometown Thornton Fractional South graduate and the South Side Kyle Curtis Granderson's now a little closer to home of Milwaukee, uh, getting his chance at the postseason, you know, towards the end of his career here. Uh, you know, Jonathan Scope, Mike Moustakis, who the Sox are very well used to over the years. And a Milwaukee Brewers team that is looking prime. Two years ago, Joey, like last season when they made those trades, you know, even more bullpen trades this year with the Sox too and other teams, this was a team we thought was still finishing a rebuild and then ready to compete. But they came out of nowhere last year. You know, they were, they, they were close to getting the playoffs, but they couldn't do it. I think this is the year where they're going to do that. I mean, if you're looking at the standings right now, home record of 48-30, and 30, not too far off from the Cubs, 47-27. Uh, the away records are just as close as well, 42-37 and 37 for the Cubs, 39-36 for the Brewers. Brewers are only two games behind. St. Louis Cardinals at a record of 84-69 are five games behind. Uh, I think the Pirates put up a really good fight too this year, seventy-seven and seventy-four. That's just that's a tough division to be in. <laughs> exactly, Chris Archer and the Pirates. I think he was a good addition for them. You know, eleven games back, the Reds. That rebuilds close. Yeah. With uh, sixty-six and eighty-eight record, they've been coming pretty close. But the Cubs have their competition in this NL Central. In my opinion, that's the Cardinals still at this point. Cardinals could still scoop up maybe one of those second wild card spots, depending on how the NL standings finish up at the end of the regular season. What are your thoughts, Joey, on you know this tight Cubs competition and how they can continue to find success in these remaining regular season games and in the postseason? Because these last ten games are you know going to be these two on the road this weekend, but Cubs are at home the rest of the way in the regular season. So just how do you feel the remaining season is going to go in 2018? It's tough for the Cubs being in this position where they could realistically finish third in this division just because it's so tight on it. And on it, you were talking about the Brewers, and the Brewers have been my pick to win this division since the beginning of the season. I think Christian Yelich is far and away the NL MVP. Far and away NL MVP. I'm, and my, my boy Baker Mayfield agrees with me. But he's playing phenomenally, and they have so many good players to back them up there. And if the Cubs can't find a way to rebound out of these injuries, that's really what we're going to see as these guys start coming back. Especially the pitching as well, I'm sure you can agree. Exactly. So as soon as these guys start coming back, if the Cubs can start winning, then I think they'll be fine. And then I think they'll be a real World Series champion contender. 
But if these guys start to come back, but we see a little, we see a little friction coming in because of these guys, they haven't been in for a while and they're a little rusty. Then we might see the Brewers creeping up, being like, "Hey, we're still here, we're still competing," and that's when I see, that's where I see big trouble for the Cubs. So it sounds like just to make a little pun on the show tonight here, Joe, you gave me a good opening for it. The Brewers are going to be probably brewing a little bit of something up absolutely, towards the end of the year. As the Chicago Cubs, we mentioned they have two remaining games against the Chicago White Sox. The next matchup between the two teams set for tomorrow, a 6-10 first pitch. John Lester on the mound for the Northsiders against White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito. The rubber match of the Crosstown Classic, Sunday, September 23rd, a 1-10 p.m. first pitch. Kyle Hendricks to the mound for the Cubs against Carlos Rodon. The next four games for the Cubs are at home against in Wrigley against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now heading in to the Chicago White Sox part of the show, Joey. That's why I kind of left it for the best for last this time around on Thank the episode. You. I, had to, I wanted to change it up a little bit. You know, I feel like Cubs fans deserve to hear their part of it first this time. We have a special uh, thing we got to talk about here, though. The Chicago White Sox are seeing the end of an era this weekend as Ken the Hawk Harrelson spent time as a White Sox GM in 1985 after broadcasting for the team for three years. Spent nine years playing in baseball prior to that point. Harrison later continued to work as a TV play-by-play announcer for the White Sox from 1990 until his final call this Sunday in the 2018 Crosstown Classic against the Chicago Cubs with his White Sox home and family here on the south side of Chicago. Hawk Carrollson and his famous calls will always be in the hearts of White Sox fans moving forward. And at the quote Hawk Carrollson, his spirit will never be OVA as it will remain in the hearts of Fans, listeners, and those who follow sports and broadcasting. We here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special want to congratulate Hawk Harrelson on an incredible broadcast career and inspiring sports fans like myself and Joey as well, and those who enjoy tuning in for White Sox baseball. So, Joey, I had to give you a question about this. What does the Hawk, you know, ending his era here with the Crosstown game mean for the team at this point in the season? Not just playing in the Crosstown, but that type of thing at a home at guaranteed rate. What does that mean to you, and what do you think uh, that will mean to Sox fans at this point? Well, just speaking on my personal experience, um, Hawk Harrelson was uh, one of the people who inspired me to go into broadcasting, you know. Um, him and then the Bears Bears radio play-by-play Jeff Jones. We're on the same page. He's Absolutely. one of my favorites, too. Jeff, those those two are like, they're like the, they're sounds, textbook. the sounds of my childhood, really, and so it's a nostalgic factor. So... For Hawk to be wrapping up his career in this very special way, he gets this awesome win. I think it's great for Sox fans. He he's been uh, he, he's been there through the ups and the downs, and I would just like to say I personally thank you to Hawk Harrelson um, for inspiring me, and I know inspiring uh, millions of White Sox fans. Yeah, I remember just to kind of give a little memory to the listeners here. One of the things that helped me jumpstart my career dreams and even starting this show. You know, that's allowing us to even do it tonight to this point was uh, I got in trouble. It was uh, I just got in trouble after school for something and um, I was doing homework. And uh, that was back when I was in my Catholic school days over at St. Anne's and Catholic school back home in Lansing. And uh, I uh, was listening to the game. It was Mark Burley's no hitter. And I I turned on the TV. You know, my dad's like, yeah, you finish your homework. Go ahead and watch TV a little bit. Just seeing Hawk do his you know, do what he does, and he gets a lot of backlash, too. A lot of people, and I'm going to agree with those, like, great talents out there and Sox faithful that believe he should have gotten into Hall. I believe he still will, you know, eventually, you know, sometimes things will change and players will eventually get in there, you know, broadcasters in those terms. But he is, in my opinion, one of the main people I've heard that made me be confident in my own approach. But I've always learned you have to have your own style, Hawk gets a lot of rap for his style, but I think it is one of the best broadcast styles that I've ever heard in sports broadcasting. I mean, can of corn, he gone. My favorite has to be, not just the home run call, but where he came up with Kansas City special is, did, did you kind of hear, did you hear what he did uh, when he was calling a game uh, against the Royals, though, though with that? Mm-hmm. He was, um, talk, one of the Royals fans came up to him and he's like, they were like, oh, why do you use Kansas City special? And he's like, oh, that's a compliment to the way that your team hits, but just this is kind of, I'm going to use your word, nostalgic for me, too. Joey mm-hmm. Dwyer with the words, as usual. Hey, that's, that's what I'm here for. But um, Hawk Harrelson, it's, Jason Benetti is continuing to do a great job, but it's just, 
it's going to take me so long to adjust to not seeing Hawk there. I remember getting to meet him a few years ago in Arizona, but just thank you to Hawk Harrelson for helping, you know, inspire and shape my sports career and style and just inspiring me to have my own style the rest of the way. So just a thank you to Hawk Harrelson. And we hope that, you know, the, the, the team can get you a win uh, that Sunday and just something meaningful for him to remember and uh, White Sox faithful as well. So Joey, we're going to go into another topic of injury, but it's on the south side now. We were just talking about with the Cubs. The White Sox have had that. Not, not, not as They've had it on their major league team. Any team will have that. But the minor league one, it was a very somber note with, you know, we talked about in episode 17 what happened with Michael Kopech, or as his player weekend nickname was Kopecky. But, um, you know, he had the UCL tear. He's getting Tommy John surgery. I don't have that many doubts of how the rest of his career is going to go after that. I think he's young enough where it's okay for it to happen, but... You know, after that, Jake Berger, uh, Mick Rodolfo had that slight injury. Robert had a bit of one, but luckily recovered. What are your thoughts on just the overall year two of this rebuild and the future of the Southsiders as this regular season's pretty close to ending? Well, I think uh, obviously the Kopech injury is really going to be a setback. It was it was exciting to watch. They went when and when he was on the team. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they went ten and seven. That's correct. While yes, he did while he was on the team. And I, I don't want to attribute that all to one player because he didn't pitch for all those games. But it was still fun to see like what the White Sox could be in terms of, wow, okay, they're actually a team that can compete. Mokata was hitting a little better. And we've got, we've got guys stepping up like Daniel Palka, who is just hitting the stitches off the ball right now. And Palkamania, so, man. Palkamania. So it's fun to watch these guys. And there are some... There's some talent on this team, and it's going to develop a couple years. I, I tell all my friends who are Cubs fans, I say, just wait three years. The Cubs aren't going to be the best team in Chicago. Well, they do just uh, – I, I was telling somebody over WZD, one of our cohort team members, about this earlier. Uh, good old Hector Carry. I'm just oh, shout out to him. Absolutely. Uh, regular on the show uh, as well. He, he, was, he was saying, okay, what's going to happen with that Kopech? It was kind of an inside joke between me and him. But my answer to that was – you see the number of pitching prospects we have compared to the Cubs. Now, of course, we had the value of the trade, and the Cubs were obviously building through the draft and, you know, gradually doing it a different way. But I think the Sox aren't just going to have a rotation. You know, a Dylan Cease, a Kopech, a Rodonfis there, Ronaldo, and a Gio, I think, is that core five probably we're going to see in the rotation long term. But all those arms that they have for that bullpen, and in my opinion, he's probably one of the most underrated relief pitchers in the majors. Nate Jones is going to be a focal point of that bullpen as well. But just, I think Daniel Palco should just already get AL rookie of the year the way this kid. <laughs> yeah. The way this kid's hitting the ball, that's, we have our own Kyle Schwarber now, I think, in a long-term DH on the south side. And I I just can't wait to see what the Sox do with that moving forward. I think this rebuild's in a great spot. Continued. I just have to keep giving such good credit to Rick Hahn and uh, what he's done with this team. You know, even when they were buyers before the rebuild, but. He's doing something Sox fans are already excited about, and this is just going to be a team for the next decade that can uh, you know, hear about the greatness that was the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that continues this weekend as the era of Hawk Harrelson will finish this weekend on a sad but still exciting and somber note for the White Sox history books as they face the Chicago Cubs after a 10-4 victory this afternoon, 6 p.m. first pitch tomorrow. As we mentioned, John Lester on the mound for the Cubs. And Lucas Giolito, 10-11 record on the year, 577 ERA, will be pitching for the South Siders. And pitching in the rubber match for the White Sox will be 6-6 record left-hander Carlos Rodon. That is a 1 p.m. first pitch, and the Sox will have another homestand, but that's against the Cleveland Indians. That will start with, gotta love when Corey Cooper's coming into town there, Joey. Yeah. You you, you gotta like that competition. And as we mentioned, the Chicago Bulls, they're getting set for regular season and preseason play in the next month we at will's fifth quarter special will continue to cover all things chicago bulls as it unfolds moving forward we are now heading into one of my favorite parts of the show joey it's not the end but it's will's sports movie moment we all have our own favorite moments not just in the sports we watch but in our own favorite sports movies this segment gives myself my guest co-host and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from the favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports Listeners can now hop on the podcast, Facebook, and Twitter page and post their own sports movie moment favorite. 
Joey, I'm going to go first. And this is just a shout out to my dad. He's always kept me into, you know, sports. He's one of the reasons I'm in my career at this point. So I just can't thank him enough for that, of course. But he got me into Major League. Now, I, it, it was one that he used on the show earlier in one of the, I believe it was the third or fourth episode. You know, got lo- I love listening to the older episodes that we have for this show, just catching up on them as the listeners do. Uh, Major League Two is going to be my choice tonight, though, and I'm going to compare it. It has a really good comparison to the Crosstown matchup we saw today. As remember, his name was Parkman. He got traded from Cleveland uh, a little bit into that season. You know, wasn't the best personality, a real, like, I'm just for me type player. Not like a guy you want in that clubhouse, especially after they had that division win the year before in the first movie. You know, he gets traded to the White Sox, and, you know, that's Cleveland's division rival. The one scene I want to talk about, though, was the game when good old Wild Thing Vaughn, uh, Charlie Sheen's character, comes in. He has the nice uh, skull uh, cross glasses, and he comes into face part. Him and Parkman were not the two-piece in the pod you'd expect yeah. in baseball there. And he comes in, you know, the Cleveland Indians are in this spot again, you know, close to winning and stuff. Uh, they had a new owner at the time, but then Dorn came back to play, and their fabled female owner came back. I love when she's back in the movie there. Interesting character. But the scene is when Vaughn comes in, you know, and there's this catcher, you know, Taylor. He, you know, he was helping with the team a little bit, you know, was the catcher. But that young catcher that just could throw the ball real well earlier on in that season in the movie, he, you know, gets Vaughn relaxed there. He's like, Vaughn, you, you, know, you know what pitches you got to get. You know, Parkman out with you could do this. And there's Parkman just staring at him. He's like, oh, I can hit this one out of the park. I can do this, do that. Kind of like what we were thinking with Palco almost the way. Yeah. Not, not his personality, I'm oh, saying. Yeah, Palco's a good personality. The, park. Yeah, the hitting part, right exactly. But it's a scene when Vaughn gets a 1-2-3, and the Cleveland Indians move on to the division title again. Now, I'm not saying that's happening in the crosstown here, but I'm comparing it to... Jose Quintana facing those players that he's faced before, the Tim Anderson and the, you know, the other, like, batters, like Avi Garcia, and he's facing Daniel Palka, and I, I we are obviously not going to know what's in the mind of Jose Quintana because we're not Jose Quintana, but I think if, you know, I could see what he was thinking, uh, you know, in those moments, he, he was probably feeling two different sides, you know, excitement for his team that he was – he, he always talked – he talked about it. You know, we would probably still ask him he'd say this, how much he loved being a part of the White Sox organization. has the greatest amount of respect for that. That's just credit to Reinsdorf. You know, Sales always said that. Other players that have been traded from the Sox have too. Um, but he also was probably like, oh, I'm with the Cubs now, so I kind of want to just pitch my game, do the best I can for, the you know, the Cubs fans. But I feel like that scene really matches with the Crosstown. And uh, thanks, Dad, for getting me in the class movies. That is my – Sports movie moment, Major League 1 and 2. Check them out if you haven't seen them. Joey, what do you have for us tonight? All right, well, Will, uh, I wanted, I want to just say before I tell you my pick that I was telling you this earlier, but uh, I was, I was when I was prepping for the show, yeah, I knew I was coming on after Ferretti, and I was going to use Invincible, and then you took it last week. So I had, to, I had to get a little creative. And so my sports movie moment is going to be uh, from Cool Runnings. I have never heard of that movie, Joey. Cool Runnings is a is a classic uh, movie about a Jamaican bobsled team who goes and competes wow. in the Olympics. It's it's a Disney movie. It's got a Chris Farley in, is in it. It's a great movie. So basically, the story is you've got these this Jamaican uh, bobsled team, which is weird because Jamaica and snow don't really go together, you know. Uh, but it's a they they find a way to train and they get there and they're getting looked down on by all these teams uh by all these uh so it's so it's a big underdog story but during their final race um they're coming around and they're coming around their final corner and they lean in too hard and they crash and this is this based on a true story they crash and they they kind of skid and they're all upside down and they're like they're like making sure that they're all okay and then in order to finish the the race they all get out and they carry the bobsled they pick it up over their heads and they carry it across the finish line 
And so that 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 was I was watching that movie last week, and I was like, man, that really strikes me as the Chicago White Sox right now, because even though they're crashing and burning, and especially with Kopech going down, they're picking it up and they're carrying it across the finish line. So even though they're not going to get first place, they still are giving the fans hope for the future. And just I I haven't seen that movie before. I know I like Disney movies, Joey, but. Uh, listeners, if you haven't seen that movie, it's uh, a really good one to check out. And Joey, I know you were excited to pick your uh, sports movie moment as you've been following the show since it started last December. I, a great choice, man. We we haven't had a Disney movie choice on here yet, so you were the first to do that. Hey, I I like to be a trendsetter. As as I said earlier, I've been a listener since episode one, since you were recording on your phone. So you know. I, I, I've been here for the whole ride, and I'm just, I feel blessed to finally get on the show. And we are blessed to have you here, but sadly, the trends will have to continue next time, as this is all the time we have in episode 18 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. You can tune in next time to episode 19 in a few weeks, as new guest co-host Isaac Missile will join the show for the first time to help cover Illinois State Volleyball and their team's early Missouri Valley Conference action, the ice football team coverage as their season continues, the Bears regular season coverage and recaps after their matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, and more regular season coverage of the White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. I want to thank Joey Dwyer for coming on tonight as the guest host and what was a fun time talking sports. Your first time on the show, Joey, you said you followed the show. That's so much appreciated on my opinion. You're a really great friend to me uh, to this point as well and moving forward. So thanks for being a part of the fifth quarter sports talk, man. And I anytime Anytime you want me, I'm here. Oh, it's it's a good time. I it, it really lived up to the hype. I was I was so excited all week to come on. I was uh, and it was it really lived up to the hype. Absolutely. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host Will Farrow and guest host Joey Dwyer saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk. You can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials. Go to WilliamDFarlow.com. To share your Will's sports movie moment like we do on the show, post it on the Facebook page or on our Twitter at WilliamDFarlow. The fifth quarter never stops here on Will's fifth quarter special.